Hey everyone, this is Luke, and welcome to another episode of Exploring Kodawari. Sorry that it's been a few weeks since our last episode. We were caught up with traveling and other work, but things have settled down and we plan to get back to a regular schedule again. And we did decide to come back with a bang for this episode, which is about the ultimate mental framework of reality, the duality between chaos and order. Chaos and order, known mythologically with the famous yin-yang symbol, is the most fundamental way to construe reality. Because it's so zoomed out, it makes it one of the more powerful mental models that you can use. If you haven't heard of mental models before, we have a new page up on the website, linked in the episode notes, which explains the concept and lists all the mental models that we have previously talked about. In short, understanding the relationship between chaos and order will give you a framework that can work on almost any level of analysis. It's the most fundamental categorization you can make about reality. In fact, the dynamic of chaos and order is at play in the very hemispheric structure of your brain. And to be alive itself is to temporarily resist the always increasing entropy, aka randomness or chaos, of the universe, something that quickly wins over once you die and stop putting energy into your body. But for me personally, I think I'm most intrigued by noticing the psychological manifestations of chaos and order. For us musicians, I think the goal is to perform with one foot in order and one in chaos. Perhaps that's just a good goal in life more generally. And then as a civilization, I think our goal should be to have the protection of culture, aka order, while also allowing in enough chaos to update ourselves and change for the better. So is chaos the dragon that destroys you? The flood that leaves you completely lost? Or is it the domain of possibility, filled with things you don't yet understand that can transform you? And is order the culture that gives you what you expect, the city walls that protect you? Or is it the unjust rules of the tyrannical king that need to be overthrown and updated? Anyways, the play between chaos and order leaves me constantly fascinated. So in this episode, Yanka and I basically talk through those types of questions, along with lots of Marvel and Harry Potter references. These episodes largely just give us an excuse to think through something that's on our mind, out loud, through conversation, and we hope you also find them useful. And if you do and would like to support us, you can always do that through the support link in the episode notes. Either way, though, we're just happy that people are listening to us and hope you enjoy this discussion about chaos and order. All right, we're back. It's been a month. Yeah. So I figured we'll come back with a bang and do the ultimate of topics the topic that captures reality in two words. Chaos and order. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> um, this is kind of a hard one to do. I remember, if you remember, I told you my plan was I was making a plan. And then I remembered the idea that the whole point of um, properly having one foot in order and one foot in chaos is to you know, take a lot of notes on something, really make a plan. Yeah, your both foot were both feet in order. were in order, exactly. So the plan for this episode is to mostly let it develop as it wants to with the rough sketch of a, a pathway in my mind that I have, plus a few things in front of me in case this old-fashioned hits me too hard. <laughs> <laughs> so are you aware of what I was trying to do what I am trying to do on the website with um, mental frameworks. Yeah. So for those who haven't um, checked out our website where we also write articles and stuff, 
um, one of the categories I'm trying to make is called mental frameworks or mental models. And these are sort of like pre-programmed software, you know, programs that you can install into your mind by learning about them and thinking about them and, and filling them with your own real world personal examples. And then they sort of help you think, they help you interpret reality, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they could be something as simple as, um, you know, a mathematical concept, like this is what exponential growth is. And then you understand how that can happen in the world. How two becomes four becomes eight becomes 64 becomes, you know, you get mm-hmm. it. And then some of them are more like psychological, whatever, right? So I think there's about five that I've written so far. And then there's a new page. I'll link it in the episode description, like kind of going through the whole concept of what a mental framework is and how it can be helpful. But I think probably the ultimate mental framework is understanding chaos and order. There's nothing more zoomed out than that. Right? I mean, the only thing more zoomed out from that is nothing, right? Is to to not try to understand the world at all. It's just, the world is just everything. But the very first differentiation you can make in the world when you're looking at it and trying to say that is a this and that's a that and you're trying to make separate things out of everything right yeah i mean the first distinction the first categorization the first boundary you can put between two things would be this general loose concept of chaos or randomness entropy and order yeah i mean when you look at the nature like that's the hopefully like one of the first things you observe after you're alive don't you look at like the blue sky like beautiful like you know that represents order and then like that blue sky just turned into like an insane storm which is chaos like that's just night and day right yeah, or death even well the so dualities in general right and even more you know um like the a mental framework of just saying understanding dualities right mm-hmm. that things and their opposite not only both exist but they require the other to exist you can't have the concept of night without the concept of day they define each other based on what they're not yeah. and what's more what you're not than your opposite so like the famous picture of well, yin and yang. Yin and yang would be if the whole thing were white, you wouldn't see the white serpent or whatever that little wormy yeah, and then, fish thing is. What was that guy? Alan Watts. Watts. Yeah, he spins that whole thing. Right. It's a great video. Just... And then, uh, likewise, if the whole circle were black, there would be no distinction that there's a black little. Yeah. Um, worm there fish there swimming around yeah. right they both have a little dot that so they both require the contrast of the other color to even exist you wouldn't see the white without the black and vice versa and then yeah like you just said inside the white fish which is yang order masculine is a black dot the eye is black mm-hmm. and inside um the black fish is is it a fish? I don't know. I keep I don't, fish. They kind of look like fish too, I guess. I never thought. They, they well, they look fish. like they're swimming because they have like a tail. They have like a big head and a so. tail. But it could be um, like 
I don't know, snakes or something. I don't know. But either way, let's call them tadpoles. Inside the yin-yang tadpoles, the I is the opposite, which is the idea that very quickly order can become chaotic and chaos can become orderly. They they transform into one another when you go to their extreme, right? Mm-hmm. Um, same works with good and bad. Yeah. If you want to do something good in the world, how how much are you willing to sacrifice to accomplish that good? And then eventually you end up murdering people in the name of like equality, you know? Yeah. Or or um, you know, too much order becomes chaotic. Like too much of uh like of a healthy lifestyle becomes unhealthy if you're obsessed with it, right? Yeah. Or you become like Larry David trying to do like something nice and then creates an entire chaos, chaotic situation. That's a different thing. I don't think Larry's ever really trying to do something nice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, this mental framework idea is like when you install one of these into your mind, it gives you a really powerful way to analyze your own life and reality. And this was is one I zoom out to all the time, the chaos order thing, because it, it allows you to at least make sense of anything. Even if you don't fully understand it, you can feel the impulses of whatever you're analyzing towards chaos and the impulses towards order, right? Mm-hmm. Give me a definition or some examples of, of chaos and like talking just like, you know, human life, personal life or... You know, I don't mean like, don't talk about like the physics of a star collapsing or something, but just more like human centered. The first thing that popped into my mind was like, what happened? Ice. Oh, ice just fell. Okay. I was just scared with like headphones. It sounded like there was like an outer thing. Aliens. Yeah, aliens coming. That's a good example of chaos. Yeah. Aliens coming from outer space and being like, hey, you're not alone out there, right? I was going to do something. All of a sudden, our model of out there is like, whoa, we've got to update it. I was going to do something more like being late to somewhere that's pretty chaotic. Yeah. I mean, it feels, it's certainly not orderly, right? Picture this. You've got a weekend, you know, concert, bunch of concerts to play, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, whatever. And Imagine you're playing a musical in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> There's yeah. an accident on the road. Wait. <laughs> yeah. did just you know a the, hypothetical example. I wasn't actually going to tell that exact story because I have so many of them. But <laughs> the orderly, the example of order would be, you say, I need to leave at 5 just to leave the perfect amount of time. And you leave at 5.30. <laughs> you leave at 5. I'm saying orderly. You leave at 5. Um You've already packed like an apple in a bag as a, a intermission so snack at the concert. Sli- sliced for you, yeah. You've you know had a made a coffee and put it in a thermos and it's ready to go. Everything's packed up. Your clothes are ready to go. You get in the car and you can leisurely drive there. Listen to a podcast. Even if you hit an accident in some traffic, you're like, I've scheduled for this. Things are going as expected. You get to the. You know, concert starts at 7.30, you're there by 6.45. You just kind of sit in your car and meditate and do whatever. You've got so much time because you planned it this way. That's order, right? Things are going as you expected, as you planned. But then let's say you make that plan. That's the idea in your mind, except, you know, something happens. I don't even know what it is most of the time. I don't know either. What what makes me me. late? (laughs) You tell me. Now, let me be clear, as a performer, I've never blown it. I've never shown up to a concert late. Me either. It's always fine. 
Somehow. So somehow there's some wisdom deep in my mind that even knowing I'm going to leave 20 minutes after I said I'm like, going to leave, it's still fine. You're either like driving 80 miles per hour on a highway or like Get eating figured out. insanely hot like chicken tenders <laughs> trying to shove them. How do you know about that? You told me. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, this was right before coronavirus. I was like, I stopped um, by a bar where my friends were and I was like, all right, it's six o'clock. The thing starts at seven I, whatever the timing was i was like an hour early but i was like six minute drive away luke was still eating chicken wings so i was like 10 minutes on. i finally found a parking spot by the time i got into the bar i sat down next to my friends i was like i'll have one beer with you guys order some food and, and i'll get it to go and then I'll, I'll go drive there you know i'll be early and eat in the parking lot outside the concert well whatever happened like you know time flows and I didn't even get to order until 10 minutes later because the bartender was busy elsewhere. Then the food took a while. And all of a sudden I'm like, yo, it's like 640. Let me check on the food. And she's like, oh, it'll be right out. And then it's like 645. I'm like, I'm flirting with, I'm flirting with something dangerous here, right? <laughs> so the food finally came out, comes out. I had already paid my tab so I could just grab it and go. It's 650. And I have this five, six minute drive. Um, and of course, as I'm pulling up, like the place is crowded with the audience for the musical. So I don't know where to park, you know? And and then when you're late and you're trying to find a parking space, your mind is in chaos. It's just, yeah. you know, and something else takes over. You can't even like, whatever. That's like a personal example I've dealt with many times chaos. of chaos and order. If I noticed that that was happening to me, like the majority of the concerts I had to play, I would have to have a sit down with myself and say, I need to be more orderly. I'm, I'm, I'm allowing too much wiggly chaos in and not setting a structure for my schedule. Right? Yeah. Thank God you just forget about it right after the performance. <laughs> well, it doesn't happen that often. That's why it's easy to forget about. <laughs> um, another one would be someone dying. Of course, yeah. You know, you're, you're living your life with this expected, like, here's this person. I expect to see them next week. And then next month and whatever you're and then you find out they just suddenly had a heart attack and they're dead and you go what i mean one of the biggest chaos you try to understand what it means that they're dead yeah the root of what the biggest chaos in our lives as human beings is definitely the concept of death because like you don't also know where they're going like how chaotic is that you know well so speaking of dualities and and how the opposites are necessary for each other wouldn't that be true of life and death what would it mean to be alive if there wasn't not alive and maybe to be alive means to struggle against i mean i guess it is. You know, n nothing comes born into existence without some resistance right yeah um so you 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 have to you have to start trying to create order out of the everythingness of chaos Life, what life is, anything that's alive is temporarily stopping chaos. Do you know about thermodynamics at all? No. Thermodynamics? I don't know. <laughs> Thermodynamic. Oh, there you go. I told you. Yeah. So I heard of it. the second law of thermodynamics uh -huh. in physics is in a closed system, entropy will always increase. Entropy is this word for randomness. So if you have you know, some diamond or something that's a very orderly uh, um, grouping together of, of those atoms, right? 
But if you have like the soup of the pre-cosmos right after the Big Bang or something, that's just chaos of particles in a soup everywhere, right? Temporary order can happen because energy goes into a system. But the law is in a closed system, entropy always increases. So you're not a closed system as a human body. You're putting water and food into your mouth and your body's using that to temporarily stop this descent into chaos. What is it when you die, right? You stop eating and your body starts to rot. And if you were to just leave a body on the ground, it would eventually just be a pile of bones because most of what it was just became part of the everything of the world, right? Randomness ate away at your order and you just became part of the chaos. Then you have bones there. They're a little bit more permanent, but then they go away too, right? Mm -hmm. So life is this thing of always staving off the chaos, keeping this temporary order. So there's the just fundamental to us existing and being alive is this chaos order thing. Another real world example would be, you know, someone who's been married happily for 25 years and comes home, comes home early and finds their spouse cheating on them yeah. with with and they and then they find out it's been happening for five years or something. So your whole model of the world, which was very orderly and predictable, mm -hmm. suddenly got the base layer ripped out from underneath it yeah. and all the structure that you've built as like truths and realities in your mind that vacation last year that you thought was a beautiful time you find out that the person he was texting like you put two and two together wasn't th his boss because there's some work deadline it was probably chatting with this other woman or like all of your stories have to like be restructured and that's very chaotic it really is yeah sense of reality wow and then those are just like more personal, like relatable examples. You can also zoom back, zoom out to like the mythological level, right? Mm -hmm. So the light and the dark, right? Mm -hmm. This is like in every story. Yeah. It was in, what was it? What was it? Um, Doctor oh. Strange. The other oh yeah. Night. We just watched <laughs> yeah. the Marvel movie, Doctor Strange. I would say probably. Or obviously in Star Wars, obviously. The, the Harry best. Potter. <laughs> Everything. But I mean, Doctor Strange was like one of the best versions of it that I've seen in such a long time. Yeah. Every sentence. I would was say one like, of the best Marvel movies. Amen. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think a lot of people agree with that. Like, I, I looked at the critics. Like, it's not as good. I'm like, well, that's my favorite Marvel movie. I don't movie. trust critics. And I don't trust people. Like. A lot of good things, like people are just like, I don't get it. Eh. You know, it's like, <laughs> just watch it and be slower. Watch it. Don't have the attention span for a lot of things nowadays. Yeah. That's for sure. But yeah. Although we have the attention span for like 10 seasons of Game of Thrones or whatever, like, you know, watch it. Game of, uh, whatever. I don't want to go there. I just mean people <laughs> have the attention span when, when they, when, when it's, when, when they're enticed by something. I mean, I something. think same people miss the point in Game of Thrones. No offense. That's also another oh, yeah. thing. Oh, we're seeing a lot of things in our culture. <laughs> That, that as far as I can tell, of, of course, there's still great movies and great TV shows, but there's so many things that miss the mark as far as I, I'm concerned, like that aren't that compelling. And everyone's like, this is amazing. And I go, I don't find it very deep, like, because I think we love stories that go as deep as you can. And I don't think you can go deeper and still be a human and understand the world at all. There's nothing deeper than this chaos order thing, right? Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, Doctor Strange was all about this like dark force. I, I forget the name. It started with an N or something or an M. What what are you the name of that like chaos monster? Dormammu. F- Dormammu? Yes. Wow, great memory. I do have great. What memory. an orderly memory. Thank you. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Dormammu was this like agent of chaos and it was like this fabric underneath our dimension that is just chaos and and it 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 enjoyed taking order and just swallowing it and, and it and making was it. shaped like something so intense just like google it if you haven't seen the movie or go see the movie also like his followers like were remember they had like serpent like eyes because like obviously chaos is also associated with serpents if you drew on his power it it changed you yeah right? for some reason it didn't change the other lady but that's another question of mine because she drew We're on spoiling it in the a movie. different way Right? Yeah, we just spoiled it. Can we just cut this part? It's kind of unfair. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> go back in time. Yes. Um, it's fine. That movie came... Look, if a movie came out enough time ago, there's no such thing as a spoiler alert. Like, so. if you can help it, whatever. But that one of the concepts was... It's like the, um, the Jungian shadow idea. It's like, um, there's not good people and evil people. There's people... And the line dividing good from evil cuts through mm-hmm. everybody. Also, another example of that, like serpent, whatever, fish, yin and yang fish. I'm going to further spoil the movie. Just so everybody... Yeah, if you, if you still cared at this point, <laughs> buckle up. I was saying, there was like a hero, not a hero, but like a very wise character that we later th- realized that she was actually getting her power from the dark side. Because, you know, the not white thing... Getting that, some of the, her like, power. Some of her power, not the whole thing. But also she was, like, channeling it to use it for, like, a good purpose. So, like, you know... So this is what I was just saying. That, order. that um, you have to integrate your shadow. That's the Jungian perspective. It's like we all have this shadow, like, the, below our consciousness. Most people's consciousness is a persona. It's the story they want to believe about themselves. But they don't realize that there's this sea of darkness underneath that. Most people don't even want to like start looking down there because it's kind of disturbing. And you realize that every human being is capable of murder. Right. And um, obviously millions of human beings are capable of being Nazis. Even when they think it's wrong, they're still capable of doing it. Some of them even enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some dark forces lurk in your subconscious. That's the shadow. There's some form of like honesty is missing when you're not willing to look that in the eye. Like when you refuse or reject like the yes. capabilities of, and you know, humankind. Is it worse for you because you don't understand yourself as much? Turns out that those things find ways to control you from the subconscious. Yeah. And then like you can keep them more in check if the more aware you, you are. Yeah. And to integrate them. Otherwise, like you wouldn't know why you're doing what you're doing. And it's even more dangerous and when you integrate them you take their strength but properly mediate them with with your wisdom right so anger can be properly integrated and make you stronger yeah but anger is one of the most delusional emotions that there is if you get lost in anger which by the way is an orderly emotion it's all almost entirely like 90 percent left hemisphere action when someone's angry we didn't even say this yet, that the hemispheric structure of your brain is like a little yin-yang. 
mm-hmm. generally the left hemisphere um, is where most people's language are, right? Mm-hmm. Most people are right-handed. That comes from the left hemisphere. The left hemisphere is like w- logic and repetition and patterns and yeah. um, it's it's the domain of, of what you understand. Yeah. And it's the domain of the literal. Mm-hmm. There's this like think circle. The right hemisphere around. is metaphorical yes. and wiggly and... and yeah. There was this thing circling around about that. I'm just curious. I want to ask you, do you think in words or images? I do um, both. Really? I do think purely in words, I guess. Which is kind that of... That doesn't odd. surprise me. Um, I think I think in images a lot, but I also think in language a lot. Like I'll just let my brain talk to itself if I'm walking somewhere. And we'll get often, more into detail about that sentence, by the way. That doesn't surprise me a lot. Mm, okay. Often, oh, that one, I see. Yeah. Often I feel like I'm just observing my two hemispheres talk to each other, if that makes any sense. Okay. Um, that's, that's cool. And I think that, that the, the, the fact that we have a conversation with ourselves is partly this hemispheric structure of the brain. And, you know, if you're scientifically literate you believe in evolution which means the structures you see in organisms that are alive today they were chosen they evolved right natural selection chose those because they were more successful Mm -hmm. so something about this hemispheric structure of the brain which maps perfectly onto what we were saying before that you need resistance to exist Mm -hmm. you have nothing if nothing's putting tension on you and creating some kind of boundary Well, here's a crazy fact I learned recently. You have your right hemisphere and your left hemisphere and the main bundle of nerves connecting them that allows them to talk to each other is the corpus callosum. Mm -hmm. In some split brain patients, they actually cut that and you get all sorts of weird things like two consciousnesses inside the same head and all that stuff. Look up split brain experiments if you've not heard of it. They're not doing that anymore, right? That was I don't think they do. Well, sometimes they do, not for fun, but because it's... Um, it, it stops seizures and it's the yeah, only way to stop them. Ask, but, anyway. but the corpus callosum is majority what are called inhibitory neurons. Neurons like fire, right? Electrical signal reaches some electrical potential. The neuron fires a spark and then it gets to a synapse and some chemicals come out and then go to the next neuron. And it, it's a series of these like circuits that turn each other on. And if that process goes crazy, you can have like a seizure and stuff, right? So a lot of the brain is inhibiting itself. It's keeping signals from getting out of control. Mm -hmm. And that connective tissue, the corpus callosum, is filled with mostly inhibitory neurons. So each side is inhibiting activity from the other side. That is so cool. Wow. And so when you're feeling like you're in a balance as a person, you know, Mm -hmm. where you're like properly like... Well, I, here's here's a great case for why I should do this thing. I have to decide this way. And then you go, but here's a great case for why I should do the exact opposite. And you can feel that tension, right? Yeah. I think it's it's that proper like talking between your two hemispheres, so to speak. So is there like a scientific explanation why some people are more indecisive, you think? I, I'm <laughs> I'm very much simplifying it. In reality, both hemispheres do lots of things. And this is just a general zoomed out concept that the hemispheres, the hemispheric structure may have began as a way to have two different interpretations of the world. Mm-hmm. 
it's not like the left hemisphere deals with like this stuff and the right hemisphere d- deals with this stuff. They both do the same thing, but in different ways. They're both trying to understand reality, but in very Their different own ways. ways yeah. The right hemisphere is mostly the domain of what you don't know. It's, it's like um, dealing with the exceptions to the rules and the left hemisphere is trying to make the rules. Mm-hmm. So you learn like a concept and then you're out in the world one day and you see something that doesn't match that concept. People don't fly. And then you see someone flying. Now your whole right hemisphere is being like, yo, what's up with that rule that like people can't just make themselves fly like Harry Potter, but all of a sudden like you saw someone do that. And you have to go through the possibilities. Am I losing my mind? Do I have a brain tumor? Like, do people fly? <laughs> Are wizards real? Like, there's so many things that could be. And now you have to make a new model of reality, incorporate the new truth, the, the anomaly that you just came across, and build that into a new theory that's better, that was, accounts for everything that you used to know, but the new thing too. And sometimes that new thing can rip apart a very deep part of what you thought you knew like the wife coming home to see the husband cheating it's like i thought i had a happy marriage like what the what the fuck (laughs) um yeah so isn't that crazy that the brain structure is is following the same and i've seen some trippy art where it shows like a brain hemisphere but it's yin yang like spinning around nice yeah i mean that's probably true that explains like a lot of our behavioral you know tendencies probably so what do you think is, what's the point of it then? So you understand that there's this yin-yang chaos order mm-hmm. that, that, that you're dealing with dualities and probably all dualities derive from chaos order. What's the point of it is the point is, I mean, knowing this on an intellectual level helps you interpret the world so much easier i think and helps you like understand yourself so much easier also like i don't know if a lot of people are putting thought into this like why they're i would say acting they are like, subconsciously you know, yeah that's what i mean but not yeah, on a conscious level not on a probably level. enough like maybe sometimes i don't want to claim anything but not enough or that maybe they're putting i don't different either which <laughs> then we happen to be using right now or that yeah um I think, mood swing something like who knows you know chaos order like we all know our own moods we can be more orderly or more chaotic depending on things right um i don't know for example if you've just worked really hard for like three months straight and it was like a crazy period of time and then you know you have two weeks off you're going to allow yourself to live more chaotically and wake up later stay up later um you know eat less of a structured diet um, or if you're like us, you're just going through that old stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that that's our version of of the proper <laughs> it's balance. March 2020. <laughs> yeah, it's not our fault. It's coronavirus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think you poked me off my my train of thought. Oh, I don't know where I was. Somewhere on the line between chaos and order, <laughs> I fell into chaos. Right. Yeah, I think that's kind of what a train of thought is. It's almost like you're trying to walk some kind of line before your your mind falls off of it or whatever. So the path in like Taoism, right, is this concept of having one foot in order and one foot in chaos. Um, did you ever see Peter Pan as a kid? Yeah. So one thing to note about 
chaos is that it's usually represented in, with some kind of serpent, mm-hmm. right? A snake, a dragon, the dragon of chaos, right? Yeah. The dragon basilisk. hoards the gold, <laughs> a basilisk, right? Or like a lot of versions of it. <clears throat> and the hero is the person that slays the dragon and gets the gold, right? Yeah. Mythologically speaking. Um, what tempted Adam and Eve in God's perfect Garden of Eden? A snake, right? Yeah. One of the lessons there, so I've been told and seems to make sense to me, is that a garden is like the perfect representation of a balance between chaos and order. Nature is chaos, but out in nature, insanity happens, right? Um, so a garden is controlled nature. It's nature with some order put onto it. Mm-hmm. Let's say you put a wall around the garden, right? You protect that garden from the outside chaos and you allow a domain of controlled chaos to manifest itself within the walls of the garden. But the concept is not even God could keep out a snake from the, the Garden of Eden. Or, or like, I wonder if God like kind of knew that yeah. was what was going to happen. Or, <laughs> or. I mean, this is also like. No, no, no. It's not that he couldn't keep out. It's that he mean? didn't keep out. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. Like. We were talking about the same thing. Also, like you can apply well, this metaphor to anything. It's whether did God have a choice or not, right? Mm-hmm. So is God a custodian who just saw a sign that said flip this switch and you know like it's Let's just see what this is doing. Yeah, see what this is. <laughs> In other words, is it just like it needed a starting event, but then it, it was just it's all determined laws of physics? Or 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 is there a choice to it? I d I don't know. But what what a brilliant idea that you wouldn't want a garden without the possibility of snakes because it would mean the order that you built is not permeable enough. When you put up boundaries between things, they have to be partially permeable. Do you know what that means? Like you need to be able to pass through them. Yeah, I I understand. They need to have structure, but they need to allow for things to move through because like what you thought was order and what you thought was chaos is going to be editable as you move through time because everything's changing. Yeah, I mean, when you think of, like, the most um, orderly structures, like, you know, Nazis or, like, I don't know. Well, that's, like Soviets, or, that's, whatever. A, that's like, pathological order, right? Yeah, like, it's it's not good. Like, you would think it would be good, but, like, no. And, and then when you look at the far left movements of the 20th century, like Stalinist Russia or Maoist China, those are examples of, like chaotic philosophies giving rise to order again but but it's like a chaotic order this that like the idea of transformation because they just became totalitarian as well yeah. right yeah. it and it's something built on equality became the most same unequal hierarchy of like a ruler at the top exactly. deciding all sorts of things that kills millions of people yeah it's it's so such a delicate balance when you think of it especially in political situations and it's always changing which is really healthy, I think. It should be always changing. You but know, that's different the point of it. You know what I mean? What do you mean? I mean, I think, I've, I've said I this mean, to I a wish... few people, I think there's a big chaos coming that none of us are even, we Winter can't even, coming. 
I think big winter is coming. There's there's little winters, right? Right. There's the literal winter that comes every season. There's winters like, okay, like every 20, 30, 40 years, you expect maybe some kind of war to break out. Inevitable. Like when you look at the human history. How else like could it happen? It's been for too long. Like we've been, you know, doing well. I think I it really is coming. I mean, it's also going to be probably like a, you know, climate change kind of like we're all fucked. Like everything is or flooded. Or an asteroid. Or that. Or a pandemic. Yeah. But like, like, yeah, it has been more of a smaller scale, I think. Like. Here's what I'm trying to say. Have you ever been to the beach and you watch the waves and the waves kind of, you get like a little one, another little one, Mm -hmm. sort of weird medium one. And then once in a while, the pattern of the waves are such that they don't cancel each other out, but they all kind of add up and you get like a big one. Yeah. And you're in Kopsag and then you are just like rolling under the waves all of a sudden. And then, no, no, I, I mean, even a calmer picture, a calmer water. Okay. I don't know if you understood what I just said then. No, I did. That Sometimes a wave moving out cancels a wave moving in and, and you don't see much of a wave. Mm-hmm. Every two minutes, you'll see like a big crash where the forces of the outgoing waves and the incoming waves all lined up to create a bigger... Okay, I understand that a little bit I'm more. I'm saying I now. think we're constantly dealing with waves of chaos on or of order on the ocean of chaos or chaos on the ocean of order, however you want to framework it. And then there are often little things like canceling each other, like balancing you know, each other. World War II was pretty big. You know, Vietnam was not as big, but it, you know, it, it was just different. And the war in Iraq feels even less big. Like, you know, there's definitely chaotic things happening on these, like the little ways. But I, I fear that there's, this feeling of a big wave, a, a, a fundamental conflict in um, how to think about the world is pushing against each other and something's going has to give. Maybe, have you ever thought of the possibility of from that clash, maybe something very balanced is going to emerge? Possible. I, I don't like the odds of that when I just see what social media has done to people's psychology. I mean, we evolved hundreds of thousands of millions of years. We evolved our brains in a certain environment and we're in such a different environment. And this concept of having social media and access to all this information at your fingertips, I don't, maybe that doesn't, Although it's awesome in so many ways, maybe that's, and it has a lot of great things, I think. I mean, it's banking. Maybe people. there are costs that we don't know about yet. I mean, it we are seeing a lot of people it. crazy. I was going to say the same way. We're seeing it. It's rage. Like people are just in such rage. Like that, that's what it is. Like they just don't have, I think there's the a mental space to allow. A lot of yeah, people. there's no, they don't have the mental space to allow even one more droplet of, information or an emotion or anything like i think it's just we're like overworking like the hard disk is burning like in our minds we can't handle that much yes and that's why people are like they cannot tell why they're frustrated why they're rageful but we are seeing it the manifest of it with from the way they're acting like the way they're protesting or stuff like this is just at least my idea well it's the dostoevsky idea i read a quote recently It, it was basically like if human beings ever found like the perfect order, like utopia, they would just destroy it the next day. So they had something to do. <laughs> I, that, that, that's mostly my quote. I just stole the idea and put it into like my words. 
because it wasn't even in it's English. It's my quote. I love how he started at Dostoevsky. <laughs> like, actually, I said this. Wait a second. No, I mean, like, Baslo, he said this, he said this, like, he was like, you know, you're sitting there eating your gingerbread and like drinking your wine or whatever. And I'm sure he said that. Yeah. He they're did. eating gingerbread and it, wine. I mean, it's in Russian. I don't know. That's what I mean. Probably. It's not, okay. I'm I saw a translation that used the word gingerbread and one used cake or whatever. I'm not like, really curious about this quote. Actually, can you pull up? Like, if you have well, to. All right. Maybe at the end. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I think we can't help but be constantly in this dynamic of chaos and order. And the weirdest thing is that when things are too orderly, something like in our subconscious pokes at you, pokes at you and makes <laughs> you make it more chaotic. So true. I agree with that. And I when something's that. too chaotic, in a good way, some, some discipline comes online in your mind. You're like, I got to get my act together. Like, yeah. I have... I didn't realize how hard this music was that I had to learn. I've got this deadline. I have these five emails I never replied to. You're like, what have I been doing? All right, I want to sit down and you just like sort of create this pocket of order as a just like balancing act to the fact that you allowed too much chaos into your life. And look, if you're too orderly, you should let in some chaos. I think there's a way to play with this dynamic and in a fun, like Alan Watts says, when you see this framework, when you see that reality is this constantly changing line between chaos and order, you can view it as this everlasting battle, or you can view it as a dance. You'd be like, oh, yeah, these these are just the elements of reality that are only you know they're dancing with each other and they define each other. They don't exist without each other. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, what about the idea that chaos is mythologically feminine and um, order masculine? Mm, I don't know. I don't like that. Like, I, I I, mean, not that I get to decide. I just don't like to use well, so that terminology. I, it's just something about it is a little outdated. Let me be clear. Masculine is not male. And I understand, is not but like just... So, I don't know. I mean, you make your argument well, for what sure. Think- I just, I'm immediately like, like in my yeah. Mind. I mean, like the- I know a lot of people like have that at this point. Those words maybe get we need different. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yet everyone enjoys all the stories built on those concepts. Masculine and feminine is is not um, precisely laid on top of chaos and order, but um, in other words, it's not like the same exact split because then it would be that. Neither is good or bad, right? It's not like chaos is bad and order is good. I mean, there is like good a stigma play on top of the the landscape of chaos. That and chaos. Order. That, that's what I mean. There's a stigma around chaos, I think. And then when you associate it with female, you can trigger some people. I'm just being the voice of right, the but I didn't associ- associate it with female. I associated it with femininity. Yeah, that's true. And, and I would a say lot I'm, of people, for a lot of people, another thing when you say femininity, they will associate that with femaleness. I'm yeah, not I mean, saying I am. That's on them. Masculine feminine is a a a way to make a value judgment on the world. It's saying like, here's a pattern of how to be in the world and here's another pattern of how to be in the world. Almost all men and women are a mix of masculine and feminine. But obviously men on average, keyword on average, tend to be more masculine and women on average tend to be more feminine just like men are more violent. You know, there's all sorts of things that um, are not true for individual people that are true for populations of people, right? Um, You know, I know personally 
many women who are way taller than me, but on average, men are, are taller than women. Um, <laughs> You're going into really dangerous territories in 21st century. Of it's true. 2021. It's hard to America. talk about. <laughs> yeah. Just it's hard to talk careful. about biology in America these days without getting just, canceled. Yeah. Just be um, so, of course, this feminine uh, masculine thing is underneath so much of storytelling and mythology, right? Um, the feminine is mother nature, but it's also, you know, and what it, mother nature creates. You, were, you came from mother nature, but it also destroys. It rots your body away. It kills you, right? And the masculine is represented by, you know, father culture. And that symbol is usually the king. And that can be the wise king or the tyrannical king. Mm -hmm. So these main elements of mythology, and this actually dates back all the way to the, like the first myth ever from ancient Mesopotamia, the Enuma Elish. Wow. You had three, you had, you had, no, four main characters. The dragon of chaos called the Uruboros, Mm -hmm. the great mother, the great father, and the divine son. So we got rid of one of them and then created Christianity. Is that what happened? I mean, if you look at all religions, they follow the <laughs> same like, structure. Eh, dragon, dragon is not necessary. Just it ditched the dragon. It, like, um, mother, ditched, father, good. Yes, yeah, all well, great. Father, we'll, we'll, we'll figure no that out. Daughter, no one wants that. <laughs> like, what? It's funny. There might be something, you know, have you ever heard of Carl Jung's um, collective unconscious? Nah. It's this idea that we have these archetypes in our in our unconscious. These it's a, the realm of the religious of the metaphor, right? It's not the literal that we can talk about when we try to talk about it. It feels like carrying water with your hands somewhere. By the time you take it somewhere, it's the water is almost gone. You don't even. It's like trying to describe a dream to someone when you wake up and the dream's spilling out of your hand as you try mm-hmm. to tell it. That's this world, but yet it influences. Our, our lives and, and what we value and, and what we decide to do. I understand. So you have the great mother, the great father, the divine son, and this dragon of chaos, which by the way is a dra- a serpent eating its own tail. Oh, like that isn't that, circle. there's a name for it. You just yeah. said a name though. Well, Ouroboros was this, the name of this Mesopotamian um, dragon of chaos. Every time this topic comes up, we always wonder, like, oh, I knew the name. I for actually that remember you looked eating. it up last time we were we talking this, about like, this. We did this like at least two other times. Serpent seems to be really working. No, I want that. Yeah, Ouroboros. That's the name. Oh, okay. okay never mind. There you go. Huh? So, um, and then when you further start developing that basic framework of mythological characters, you can make those splits that we already said. The 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 proper expression of femininity and the shadow expression, right? The wise king and the tyrannical king, right? The wise king is culture, right? Has institutes the rules, but is also flexible enough to know, I don't know everything. I need guidance. I need to allow in new things and update my, and the tyrannical king is just, you know, stupidly orderly, Mm -hmm. enforces stupid rules, doesn't play properly with this chaos order dynamic. The divine son is the concept of the person who properly balances the forces of chaos and order. They rescue culture from the underworld, from their ancestors. That's like 
Pinocchio going into the whale to rescue his father. Mm-hmm. And you bring back the proper order, the, the, the order that kept your ancestors alive, which will keep you and your future generations alive. But you're also w- brave enough to go into the chaos to find those, right? To get the gold from the dragon kind of thing. But the split of the divine son is you also get the opposite of, of that hero character. So the hero is the divine son, but you also get the anti-hero. It's like Thor and Loki. Yep. Good one. And that's almost every story. You have like, yeah. you know, the, the, the brother that's the good one. And it doesn't always have to be brothers. But yeah, it's... by the way, Cain and Abel is the second yeah. story, right? Cain and Abel are the first humans. But, yeah. Um, the, they're the children of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And they became a Cain and uh, Cain and Abel became a, a Thor and Loki. That's true. Yeah. Abel was was the I mean, proper they didn't one beca- making sacrifices become, that I worked. Think, and, like they didn't become Viking mythologies way more ancient than isn't it? Like they had their own like yeah, but the collective unconscious would be something like well, we're all dealing with say, the same landscape of our own internal world, and that's why we create these stories. That's what in I mean. What you're trying to say is like we have a saying in Turkish. You know this saying. I'm gonna say it. Aklın yolu bir. Mine's route is one. Meaning, I've used like, that before. As human beings, yes, you use that a lot. As human beings, this is like we create such similar stories, and then just every culture names it them differently. Like yeah. basically, the Ring of Nibelungen. Wagner and Lord of the Rings, the same thing, yeah. you know, or d- and what's what the message saying? there? In order to destroy this ring of power, you have to bring it back to its chaotic source. Exactly. Let's pretend like Wagner created that story. Like, obviously, not what's yet. the story of Harry Potter? Why is yeah. he so, the hero? Why? Exactly. Because just like the hero from Doctor Strange, Harry has a part of Voldemort in him. That's what why he's powerful. He contends with his shadow. He has the evil inside. Yeah, of him. or you know. Anakin turning into like dark side. So I also just watched that movie recently. The, um, what is it called? Uh, I know the third episode where Anakin goes to the dark side. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to spoil or alert Star yeah, Wars. Obvious. I think. I mean, Anakin is Darth Vader. If you don't know, well, that's, that's, just a, that's like, your real spoiler. I mean, I'm so sorry. That movie came out in like 2006. <laughs> Go watch it. No, I mean, Anakin start. Okay. Anakin is Darth Vader happened in like 19... 19- 80s or something so if you don't know yeah. that anyway i think the great stories find a way to freshly and, com- and, and in a compelling gripping way they tell this basic mythology of of all the things that you start to build on top of chaos and order landscape especially for us humans we care about good and evil good and evil is the dynamic is a, a kind of dynamic that plays on top of chaos and order. And we we just intuitively understand it. When you're watching a movie and you see a character, Thor's an asshole sometimes, but he it's intuitive that he's the hero because when it when it really matters, he'll do the right thing. I mean that's the feeling. And Loki, you get the feeling like occasionally he'll surprise you and do the right thing. But I would never count on that guy, right? Yeah. Um in Star Wars, when Anakin is going to the dark side, he did it for love. Yeah. Also, all of these villains, <laughs> right? they have really good reasons, you know, and that's what makes a successful movie. Like Thanos, you're like, oh, well, hold on, like resources, you know, like the guy's kind of right. Like there are not enough but resources. So maybe, like, you know, what I mean? the path, that's when I was the like, proper balance of yin and yang. 
what what you could call in more modern terms like your embodied consciousness in, in it's it's instinct for meaning that's not rational that's not reasonable that's something transcendent it's something that you embody it's that feeling when you get goosebumps that run down your spine and across all of your limbs and you just go whoa my body is sending me a signal right now it could be danger right if you're somewhere and like like your spidey senses start tingling <laughs> but it could also just be like you're at a concert and you hear something so beautiful that it literally transfixes your whole being goes and you get these like goosebumps and you're just staring at something with more attention than you even thought possible right yeah it, or it could be when you meet somebody right that whole love at first sight idea um I don't know if that's how we started. <laughs> she just like flicked her hair back. I was like, oh, well. <laughs> it was a sarcastic flick, just in case you're But not. I'm sure that does happen sometimes. It does, yeah. Um, we were more like it be stoned. A <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We were. We were actually stoned, yeah. <laughs> this embodied like way of viewing consciousness is like, oh, I'm going to learn to trust that, right? I'm going to learn to trust my, the feeling of my whole body. And, and that's not rational. And I think that's why the proper path in life has to involve a sort of, um, you have to release yourself to something bigger. And that something bigger can simply be the, the embodied consciousness of yourself that you don't understand. You're just this little awareness floating on top of this gigantic pattern of, of, of the unconscious, right? you're the tiny little rowboat on top of an ocean. So you just have to be like, okay, I'm not in charge here. The waves are pushing me around and I have this little steering device on the back of the boat. I can sort of guide my boat. But if a big wave comes from over there, like there's only so much I can do. You're more riding the waves of, of your own consciousness, not creating the waves. And you die. See, and then you die. That's, that's life right there. <laughs> Um, let's just end quick with the political aspect of this, which is that um, people seem to be struggling today so much with this inability to understand their opposite. So if you're a conservative, you're so like, true. how the hell could somebody have voted for Biden? They must be a complete jackass, you know? And it's like, okay. But then you also have, someone how the hell could someone have voted for trump or how the hell could someone you know mm -hmm. not want this thing that it's obviously good to, this law to pass or whatever if you view on a zoomed out level that politics is this dance between different personality types mm. things outside of our control that you know the big five personality traits ocean right openness conscientiousness mm -hmm. extroversion agreeableness and neuroticism. Yeah. And so you can be more extroverted or introverted, more neurotic, less neurotic. You can be 97% introverted, for instance. Is that what you got? <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't. Oh, it's just a random number. Just a random number. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that people group into different pockets of personality types and they predict very well what kind of political affiliation you'll have. I so conservatives are high in um, conscientiousness, conscientiousness, which is orderly. orderliness. <laughs> yes. Uh, liberal types are very high in openness, 
Oh, and conservatives are lower in openness. Mm -hmm. Liberal types, people that, that lean to the left of politics, are very high in openness. They're lower in conscientiousness, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I forget if any others of the big five like predict politics, but I know those two predict mm -hmm. them very well. I remember that, yeah. This makes sense. Open people want borders to be more permeable. They're more creative. They want to live in a more wishy-washy place with less strict order and boundaries that are very bendy and permeable. Mm -hmm. orderly people like my older brother when he eats his food he he sections off every part of the food into separate areas and then has to finish one whole category of food before he moves on to the next category of food <laughs> mashed potatoes first then the corn then the meat and then finish off with something else okay honestly like pol politics aside that's kind of insane to me. <laughs> You know, he can like support and have whatever political belief he has, but like, don't eat your food like that. Come on. Like, I'm joking. But that's very, <laughs> I would say that's a funny expression of that same thing. As you start to build your model of reality, you don't realize at such a deep level, you're either starting from a place where you're craving more categories between things so you can make distinctions and have more of a strict order, or you're just more into the idea that things are open and gooey and flowy. As Alan Watts says, you're more gooey or you're more prickly, right? And of course, we're all both. But sometimes um, the, these personality types can, can average out to, to these differences, and you see this in politics. So liberal types are really, really sensitive to the pathologies of order mm -hmm. when they see like the type of politicians who are too orderly and too rule-based, right? Mm -hmm. That's why they call everyone Nazis because that's, true. that's what they're afraid of mythologically, right? Yeah. That's what happens when you get too much order. But people on the right are very worried about, are about the pathologies of chaos. But like someone from my country, like I'm thinking it's so hard to imagine, like, because we've never witnessed it. That's why probably so hard to imagine how, openness can get out of control we just never had openness um, so like we cannot even dream of it you know what i depends mean like what you mean i, I was talking about chaos speaking openness on a personal level you, no can what you i mean is like that could get out of control yeah of course I'm, i'm just trying to say like i think i understand people being extra sensitive to See, now I'm being biased. Okay, it's so hard. But you're you're more of an open, yeah, less conscientious person. So yeah, you're more left leaning. That that makes sense. That your instinct was like, wait, but yeah, I just immediately wanted to defend it. Like, but if you so go, that's what happens to people. And then, like, even though I'm like so aware, like we just started talking about how people like cannot see, and I just did something very similar to yeah, which is so funny. And then once you go metacognitive on it, you're like, okay, I, I could I could totally make the opposite case. Yeah. Be like, how can you not see that living in pure anarchy and chaos would, would blah, 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 you know. Uh, but I'll answer your question on the personal level. Like, what's the problem with being too open? Okay, you just enjoyed a glass of wine, right? Uh -huh. um, under the sink, there's some bleach. I want you to pour the bleach in the cup and have a glass Wait, of that. Come on. They're both liquids. Why make a distinction between them? You see my point? Being ridiculous to, I'm like, making a point that you're not going to be so open as to drink bleach and wine and call them the same thing. But like what I'm trying to so say. So you're is, being close to them being the same thing. So it's about where you draw your line of openness is my point. Yes. I mean, I'm saying politically people don't usually drink bleach is what I'm trying Trump to say. Trump does. 
Whoa. It came to a full circle, right? Full circle, just like the self-Uroboros eating serpent. Exactly. Um, Drinks bleach, yeah. So, yeah, and this is to say (laughs) nothing about um, who's right and who's wrong. It's actually an eternal problem. Yes, it's so hard to discuss this without making it personal. I just realized that. Yeah. It's it's impossible for me. I'm just like immediately. uh, Of course, also, I have a history of being absolutely not open-minded towards people that are supporting a different political thing like Demi. So I actually am like guilty of that. Like I, I don't know. I think I very recently stopped being like that. So I don't know. Do you know what's so terrifying to me personally? Because I'm I'm definitely more left-leaning and very open. And I play with my discipline and orderliness and conscientiousness. I try to play with that in a careful way because I know I, I, I'm the kind of personality that can just get too sucked into something and lose the joy in life and just be very just boring and just, you know, like a robot, right? Mm-hmm. And I kind of learned that about myself through my 20s. Like I need to consciously just let go of things more and let myself wiggle more and introduce some chaos and then come back and, and, and constantly play with that um, in politics as well, Right. Like to understand like, oh, this is your instinct. You're more sensitive to to like, well, why is that rule true? Why does that have to be a rule, right? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. Some rules are stupid, right? Mm-hmm. But some rules you need. If you just say, why is that a rule? Why does that have to be true? To every rule, what you end up doing is digging your way all the way to the bottom of everything and realizing like, oh, none of this has to be true. Let's just live in chaos. And that's like, that's not good either. So- <laughs> One of the funny things about the culture war happening right now is generally the, the, the movement coming from the left is postmodern. It's saying like, what is absolute truth? There is no absolute truth. It's all made up by humans, right? Why is one thing any more true? That is coming from like specific type of left, not like all left, let's say. No. I, I'm like left leaning. I don't. Like I still have like certain principles. I yeah, I'm, I'm talking generally the spectrum on the left. It's I mean, I'm saying to be open is to start to question truths. Why is that true? Why is it good to be good to people? Oh, it turns out some of these rules are just true because they're axioms. You just have to assert them and believe in them. Do you know what I mean? So I'm trying to say that right now the culture war is actually between if you get underneath like the busyness of the politics on the surface, it seems more to be underneath who should decide what is true. People are questioning like the truth of, of anything. Right. And I think at the bottom of postmodernism, which is what seems to be the philosophy guiding most of the conflict that comes out of universities and ends up in, um, you know, political debates and stuff seems to be that there is no absolute truth, right? Mm -hmm. But the funny contradiction there is that's their absolute truth. Oh my God. I think we should end this right now. No, I mean, you're so right. Yeah. But so that's, that's chaos becoming order. It's like, we are going to assert one absolute truth. There is no absolute truth. It's like, huh? (laughs) I saw what you just did there. (laughs) And, and so people that are sensitive to how chaotic too much openness can be, are really like, yo, hit the brakes. All of this wisdom from our past 
as flawed as it is, there's wisdom there that we should take our time to extract before we change things too much and have all these unintended consequences. And the other people are like, you think we should just stick to these rules from our past while all this suffering and stupidity is happening? Let's I mean, change I think everything. Everybody's right here, you know? That's I mean? why I just said it's an eternal <laughs> problem. There's no final solution. That's what to I it. mean. That's why, like, I don't necessarily agree with, like, okay, I think I, yeah. What I'm trying to say is like you can only dance it if you if you're being totally honest. You can only dance the the dynamic. Yes. You can't finally say that's this why, is right for that's why I'm like eternity. more optimistic than you about like a giant winter coming, like a clash of like something. Oh, that clash has been there all the time. Maybe it just it dances a little harder like lately. Oh, I hope, but it's probably I like there's always that clash. You there know? was this Zen guy, um, Do Doshin Roshi. I was watching him talk and he just kind of scared me. He's like this really intense, like Zen samurai master. He's like, you know, like chaos is coming. And the guy's like, can you elaborate? He's like, I'd rather not. Oh my <laughs> God. Can we call you like in private sometime? <laughs> and he was talking about like the culture war and like he thinks that the shadow is ruling many people on the earth right now. And we should make a movie about this. I, like. I mean, we there every movie is this. <laughs> That's my I point. Mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> All right. Last thing I'll say as a music geek, right? So I mentioned Peter Pan before. Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Um, the crocodile, right? Eats Peter Pan's arm or whatever, what? right? I forgot about that part. Isn't that... In his fight with Peter Pan. The, like, Not Peter Pan's arm. That's Captain Hook's arm. Cap Sorry. Yeah, Captain Excuse Hook. Excuse me. Did I say like, he ate Peter Pan's yes. arm? Oh, in the I fight with Peter Pan. Slow ate, down on that old-fashioned dude. Ate Captain Hook's arm. Yeah. And now the alligator wants the rest of them. The crocodile wants the rest of them. Okay. But the crocodile also swallows a clock, right? Yeah, that's the thing. I so time... I think they were just high. Like time is chaos always knocking on the door, right? So music geek, Beethoven 5, right? That's like a knock on the door from... From Mother Mother Earth, Chaos of yeah, Time. Yeah, that's for like Music 101 for old people. But here's my favorite. An interesting story. Of course, is Mahler 5 opening, right? But da da dum. But da da dum. But it's, it's, it's the regular, it's the, the terrifying, indifferent regularity of time ticking. Mm -hmm. It's fate, right? It, but time is the fact that you're going to die but it's the only way you can exist. Mm -hmm. You're not actually a being, you're a becoming. Okay. You're you're moving through time. Not connected. It makes you alive, but it also is why you die, right? It's true. What about Peter Pan? <laughs> oh, the Captain Hook, the the crocodile has a clock. That's not random that they deci they decided that the crocodile is going to randomly eat a clock and that Captain Hook's going to be reminded that the alligator is coming because he hears the ticking clock inside the alligator. Oh, okay, stomach. okay. See, I forgot about that detail. Yeah. Yes, now, I, now it came back to me. Okay, okay. Yeah. I see. Now That's I not random. They didn't just say, oh, we should make the crocodile make eat something. Eat a horn and yeah. so oh, how about he eats um, you know, a coffee maker? It's like, no, he ate a clock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I forgot about yeah. that little detail. Now I understand. So when you, under, I, I guess to zoom out and conclude here, like it's just, it's my favorite mental framework because no matter how much I think about it, when I see a new instantiation of it in the world, this lighting up of my brain happens. I go, ah, oh, 
another yet another proof that this framework of being able to see the world as chaos and order and that your job is to mediate the two and 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 properly balance those just clicks it's like it makes sense yet again makes sense yet again and that's why i think it's one of the most powerful frameworks it's, it doesn't always tell you what to do because it, it's very zoomed out, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're, certainly if you're in a bad spot in life and you need to like sort of restructure, you can, if you can always step back to like that, mm-hmm. it gives you a direction. Are you too much in chaos and need to aim at order or are you too much in order and you need to aim at chaos? Yeah. You probably know the answer if you just sit there for like five minutes and go, what should I do? You know, and ask yourself kind of thing. Yeah. And then your your two hemispheres will sort of be, the yin and yang spinning and dancing and figure out something. That's all I got. I'm tired. <laughs> nice. Nicely. Anything cool. else you need to say? I don't think so. I was just thinking, yeah, we can talk about that later. There, there was the same analogy in Alice in Wonderland, but that's I never saw that actually. Are you serious? I don't think so. Can we watch that now? That would be um, apropos, I guess, if we watch that. Is it kind of a... a, a sort of mythological type of tale like this there are a lot of versions of it i also read the book first so like there's a book of it like that's what i did but um there's also like the whole story starts with a rabbit late to somewhere there's a clock ticking constantly looking at the clock just Ah. running and then falls into a hole you know and then alice falls into the same like hole that rabbit like goes or something yeah yeah exactly anyway like just was trying to draw a connection but Interesting. Not sure. If it's going to happen. <laughs> I'll, let's watch it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'm just scrolling through my notes to see if I missed anything. Oh, it, it, we just have to mention too, like what are the musical performances you enjoy most? We, we always talk about this duality of expressivity and technique, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I won't go there. We've gone there a million times. But if you think about this idea of having one foot in chaos and one foot in order, and you think about you're watching a violinist play a concert, and in one concert, you see them, what what we already said being in order means what you expect to happen happens. Everything's going according to plan. So you see this violinist playing everything according to plan. They sound amazing. Hillary Hahn. It's perfect. Sounded like you said Hillary Hahn when you sneezed. That's weird. You must have Corona or something. Um, And then you also see a different violinist perform and you see so much brilliant structure and technique to what they're doing, but they seem, and and it's something you intuit Mm -hmm. more than you can just like calculate like, oh, they did this and therefore this. It's more like you feel Mm -hmm. that they're taking this risk to step off the ledge a little bit. That's magical. And you find the right balance. Take a little chaos bit of a leap of order. faith. One foot in chaos. Yeah. And those performances are the performances that give you goosebumps. That's true. When you see somebody just perfecting their craft, you go, wow, that's amazing. But it doesn't instantiate this instinct of your embodied consciousness to, to make you feel meaningful. But when you see a performance where somebody's so musical, so expressive that they're willing to... to leave just like their toe in in order for moments and just really like swim in chaos for a second and then come back, right? Because you can't, if you go all the way in chaos, then you have no intonation, no, you know, like whatever. Yeah. You, you you just sound like shit, you know? Yeah. It's like me, if I picked up your violin, 
doesn't matter how much I felt the music, like it would be nothing. <laughs> how right? much you felt Suzuki yeah. long, long ago. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I mean, when I see something work on all these different levels of analysis, whether you're watching Harry Potter or Marvel movies or w Star Wars or whatever, whether you're thinking about your own performances or watching people perform, life situations, like it all comes back to this interplay of chaos and order. Yeah, I think it's the, I, I want to call it when I, I'm going to write about it and try to develop this into a more compact, like 10 minute article or something. Nice. I think I'll call it like chaos and order, the ultimate mental framework right? or something else. If it's called something else, Yanka's like, great. Can we go to bed? It's late. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I have one last question. Yeah. How can someone vote for Trump? Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know, actually. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye. Yeah, bye. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Exploring Kodawari. If you enjoyed it, we hope you'll consider sharing it on social media and with friends. You can also help us out by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Those help us more than you would think. And if you'd like to help us out in a more substantial way, consider going over to our website to make a donation through PayPal. Links are in the episode notes for this. You can do this as a one-time donation or a recurring monthly donation. All of that support will help us to set aside time in order to create content for the podcast and the blog. And finally, please get in touch with us and say hi, either on social media or privately through email. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.